Hello and welcome back everyone to another episode of the Unfounded Podcast. Today is, it looks like, July 26th, July 26th, 2022. It is a Tuesday uh, and it's about 3, 4 o'clock where I am. Um, really glad to be back on here, guys. Thanks for joining me. Um, I hope you've been enjoying the last what, four episodes or so from last week. Um, I really did listening back to them. I got quite a bit out of them and especially with everything I've been going through, uh, recently, you know, the shifts in my life, big major timeline shifts, actually. Um, I really needed to kind of hear some of that stuff. So I hope it helped you as well. Um, that is the process here. You know, what I need to hear, I believe is what you need to hear. And sometimes the process of just talking to yourself could be more beneficial than people like to think. Um, so I try to demonstrate that for you here on the podcast, Um, through kind of talking to myself and then sending it out to you and seeing what you get out of it. Anyway, I digress. Uh, To start out today's episode, I would like to uh, go ahead and pull a page from the Buddha book real quick. I'm going to go ahead and do that for us real quick. Hmm, interesting. So I pulled... I'm actually going to read... do this one more time because I, I pulled the beginning of the book and it's actually a description of all of the Buddhist teachings. Now this is going to be a little too long to go through today because I don't want to read through all of them which is why I think I'm probably going to pull to another one but it was page 17 that we opened to. Uh, it has a picture of a lotus flower and the Buddha head. Um, I'm going to read just from this page. It says, what are these confines? The Buddha said they were greed, hatred, and delusion. When these are dissolved then the truth is revealed. Love is revealed and generosity of spirit is revealed. These are not to be sought for and grasped by imaginary, some imaginary individual. They naturally arise when this little self is laid down. Within the Four Noble Truths is an outline of the treatment prescribed by the Buddha to bring about the end of suffering. This treatment involves the development of the following. Right view, right resolve, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right meditation. All of this constitutes the middle way, the path in life in which the extremes of excessive indulgence and excessive austerity are avoided. This is the path that leads out of delusion towards the truth. It was interesting. I think I'm going to leave it there, actually, for the Buddha book. I thought that was a good little passage. Um, oddly enough, Today I wanted to talk about forgiveness um, in the context of this little passage. Um, well, it's it's talking about uh, reducing extremes, right? And excessiveness and indulgence, um, austerity, you know, excessiveness in any way. Um, because this is the path of delusion. Uh, I think that there's a way in which when we refuse to forgive, um, we cultivate a certain type of delusion or maybe a a certain path of extreme, certain type of extreme path uh, that doesn't allow us to kind of see the beauty uh, that's unfolding like every moment. Um, What are these confines? The Buddha said they were greed, hatred, and delusion. 
When these are dissolved, the truth is revealed. Love is revealed and generosity of spirit is revealed. These are not to be sought for and grasped by some imaginary individual. They naturally arise when this little self is laid down. So there's something about laying down yourself to kind of become what you always knew you should have been or what you've always been. Something not, not you can't become something you already are, right? But sorry, hold on one second. I'm having a little technical difficulty here, guys. Okay, sorry about that. I had a little bit of a problem with my headphones there, and it's getting a little distracting. Um, but trying to pick up where I left off, the uh, the confines that you'll find yourself trapped in, especially if you find yourself in a place where you're unable to forgive or unwilling to, maybe, or maybe you've tricked yourself into thinking you already have. Um, you may find yourself struggling with greed and hatred. Um, jealousy, these kind of things, right? So, uh, let's move on to the tarot. Let's pull a let's pull a card or two, yeah. So for today, I'd like to just do an oracle card to start out. I have some other decks around me. I have a traditional Rider Weight Tarot deck, which the Rider Weight uh, Rider Weight Tarot deck is the is the way it's pronounced is the oldest. Not the oldest. There's tarot is very very old, but it's one of the more uh, it's it's a traditional deck. It's what we go off of. What we base the tarot off of modern day at least. Um, and I'm sure you've seen these cards before. You know they're very common depictions. The Death card has, uh, I believe it's, you know, like the what is the Death card on here? Is it like a Grim Reaper kind of a thing? Or I don't remember. Well, anyway, you've seen you've seen them. They're more traditional depictions instead of the more artistic ones that I use in some of my other cards but that being said um oh no the in the traditional um in the traditional tarot deck the death card is not depicted with a <laughs> with the uh, grim reaper no it's a it's a man on a horse actually um or it's a it's a skeleton on a horse like a knight like a knight that's dead on a horse uh, coming kind of coming through a field and there are if I if I remember right there's dead people and I don't know why I'm talking about uh the death card right now but maybe that's somehow revel about relevant um for some reason, it popped into my head. So maybe you're going through something like a death and a rebirth, similar to what I'm going through right now. Um, and they can, it can be frightful. Death is one of the most frightful. It is the most existentially frightening concept we have. <laughs> right? Fundamentally frightening. Um, so it's easy to get caught in that or to run away from it and kind of avoid it. So um, we find that in the tarot people tend to avoid that card as well or the interpretation of it because they tend to fear it um or if that's not the case the process of going through the energy of death is very uncomfortable sometimes because it requires release and oddly enough release releasing something is one of the more painful things you can experience but it's also a relief it's an it's an odd combination right you let go of something and you feel relief because you're not you're no longer carrying whatever burden that entailed. But also letting go of something that maybe um, you've attached yourself to can be an exceedingly po- like painful process because you may have been attached to that thing long enough that you thought it was you. Right? So then what does that feel like if you're trying to detach from something that you think is you? Well, it kind of feels like death, right? So that being said, if you're going through something like that, it seems like maybe you are. Um, embrace the feeling of release, right? Um, in the Angel Wisdom Tarot deck that we've been using, the death card is represented by uh, the release card. It's not the death card, it's called the release card. And that's 
It's a, has the angel of Azrael there. And remember, I described it a couple episodes back where it's a very beautiful card. It's not meant to be um, frightening. So whatever you're going through in your life right now, um, try to look for where there's an opportunity to release something that maybe you felt burdened by for a while. Um, it doesn't always have to be like a situation. It can just be a concept. Maybe it's a perspective that you found yourself stuck in. You know, We can get stuck in these perspectives sometimes. Right where we uh, we don't know how to get ourselves out of them, you know. Oftentimes we come to this place of recognition first. That oh, kind of like the twelve step program. You have to recognize you have a problem first before you can change it. Perspectives are similar. First, you recognize that your perspective isn't perfect, right? And then once you find that there's a hole there, it's not like it immediately gets filled in. You just kind of walk around with a hole in your perspective for a while, which doesn't feel very nice. Uh, until you've run into somebody or something else in the world that kind of fills it in for you. Or um, it just kind of keeps falling apart until the whole perspective falls away. And that's, that's what we would call like a, an ego death or a, you know, an awakening of sorts. So, and that's a little more painful. So the point is, I think, if you can choose to try to look at the places where you can release, especially concepts, internal things, things that aren't necessarily 3D yet, um, if you can try to focus on releasing uh, what isn't serving you in that context, um, it helps aid the process of, of, of death itself, right? Um, I'm not talk, talking physical death, talking spiritual death, right? This process of transformation and release. Um, if you look for opportunities to release, you won't find as much pain when you're in the middle of the process. You know, um, there's a certain despair that you can experience in your life when you feel like you're being subject to suffering without choosing it. Right. That's, those are the moments when you look up at the sky and you ask God, why? Why are you doing this to me? Because <laughs> you wouldn't, is always the answer. And this world requires a certain amount of pain and sacrifice. The sacrifice idea is built into the Old Testament very deeply. Not just the Old Testament, but most religion throughout the world. But it is an older concept, something we've seen to have evolved out of for some reason. And maybe there's, a, there's something we've lost in that evolution. Well, we've recognized it's not necessary to physically kill something or sacrifice something to kind of symbolically represent a sacrifice. Um, We may have lost the necessity, the fundamental kind of equation that requires that something has to be given for something to be had, right? So um, the sacrifice in this context, uh, whatever you're going through, is your old perspective, your old way of doing things. You know, you're, you're, you're required to sacrifice that in order to move forward. It's the toll you pay at the crossroads, uh, you know. So I, don't, I, I haven't pulled a card yet, but I just intuitively picked that up. So maybe you're going through something fairly intense right now and you needed to hear that. Um, maybe you feel stuck right at a crossroads, feel like nothing's moving. And there's a reasons for that when things don't move, you know. Uh, it's, be, it's because there's something being presented to you you're not seeing usually. Or, or there's an opportunity that you don't want to take because maybe there's something like this attached to it. Or maybe there's something that you've attached yourself to that you don't want to let go of. There's a myriad of things that can happen, but it's usually related to not perceiving where you're at properly. You're never stuck, truly. You're never just left alone to suffer. Suffering is a state that we, conscious beings, create. It's not a real state. It's not a fundamental thing. Pain is a fundamental thing, I believe. It's a fundamental thing of being embodied. 
Let's take this for example. Maybe I, I'm just going to go with it, guys, because I'm on a roll here. So let's just let's just roll with it today. Pain is something that you can experience. You will experience. The way you can understand this is a fundamental thing. Is you know that anybody that is ever embodied, period, even if they're not a human being, you know anything that is embodied, most mostly, um, experiences pain because you can watch it. And you experience it. So there's a way in which if I am this and you are this and you, I see you experiencing this and I say I experience this, then we experience the same things, right? And this pain then becomes universal. But we confuse the idea, the concept of pain with the idea of suffering. Something Suffering is something different than pain if you really think about it. It's something I've, I hadn't pulled apart, concept I hadn't pulled apart uh, until a couple months ago when I was watching a movie on Gaia. Uh, let me find the movie title really quick um, because it's a very good movie and I would love for you guys to check it out. Um, but anyway, the point of it was that... Um, sorry, let me find this real quick. It's really hard to multitask, actually. I don't want to get myself off the topic. Um, the, the point of the, the movie is called Chasing the Present. Uh, and in it, it, it documented this guy who was following this, this gentleman that was trying to find um, kind of it was trying to wake up and he, he went, he went trying to find meaning in his life and he goes around the world and talks to different yogis and things like that. Um, and one of the, uh, one of the, the shaman that he comes across is a, is a man. It looks like he lives in the Himalayas somewhere maybe, but, um, he's talking to him. And at one point he asks him and it's just random. The, the guy asks the shaman, um, he stops him. He's like, so is, suf- is suffering not real? Or he says something to that effect. So is, suf- is suffering a- an illusion? And the shaman stops and his eyes just brighten up and widen and he starts to laugh. He lets out this big laugh and he points at him. He says, there you go. There you go. Now you're onto something. And when he said that, when I saw the way that the guy reacted, it hit me like a brick wall. There was something in that like where the, I had the same recognition. It's like, whoa there can be a difference between pain and suffering and that suffering is something different. Something, suffering is something that we actually perpetuate. We create out of a certain type of perspective of focusing on pain. Now pain is the actual experience, you know, the physical reality, you know, you come into this world screaming and kicking, right? There's this, this fundamental experience of in order to, to feel, you have to feel pain. But, because it's unpleasant, it, we have a tendency to focus on it. And because we're wired to avoid pain, because of pain usually represents danger or death, you know, there's this way in which our built-in wiring that at one point throughout evolution benefited us is now flipped on us and is now attacking us. So our, our software needs to be rewritten. So in order to rewrite the software, you have to flip the kind of paradigm on its head and say, okay, well, if fear isn't, Gen, gen, generally correct. Like just reacting in fear doesn't always get you the outcome you want. Then what is the proper way to react? What's the proper way to act? And it's, uh, it's, it's where consciousness comes into being. It's where consciousness has some value. It's like, well, you're the thing that discerns. You know that you're the thing that recognizes this. So now you choose, right? It's in the choice where suffering is created. Okay. I have the choice? You mean I have to choose? Uh, like, So I have to experience pain. I have all this good stuff too, but in order to have the good stuff, I have to experience pain, and you're telling me I have to choose what I want to focus on? 
Hmm. Well, my, my body tells me I need to make sure that pain is like not creeping up on me. You know, um, the fear inside me says that there's a possibility that maybe it could. And I don't want to experience that part of it, but I know I have to. And part of the problem in the modern day is the I know I have to part has been deleted. So we don't know we have to. We assume that we can delete pain. <laughs> Maybe with in a similar kind of confusion of between suffering and pain. People want to eliminate suffering, but they don't understand the difference between that and pain. Anyway. We run from ourselves in an attempt to avoid the pain that is necessary for us to grow. Think of a caterpillar going into a cocoon and becoming a butterfly. Now, we don't usually see what happens inside of the cocoon, right? But what you would assume is if something's fundamentally changing its state, metamorphizing, right? I think that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> then what's happening to it? I mean, it's 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 actually changing state. That that's not going to be like a a pleasant process. You know, just like a wildfire has to destroy something before new things can create something. It, it the process that's going on inside of the cocoon is not fun. The caterpillar is getting destroyed. It's dying. And what's even crazier about it is the caterpillar prepares its own funeral right the caterpillar prepares the cocoon that is going to be its last resting place because at the time the caterpillar doesn't know it's going to be a butterfly does it or maybe it does we don't know point being the caterpillar recognizes it's just a stop on the way to something else and there's a way in which we have to let go of the ego enough so that we recognize this truth about it, that it is a stop on the way to something else. We're constantly reconceptualizing what we are. We're constantly coming back home and then leaving, and coming back home and leaving. And this process of ego formation happens over and over and over again. And every time, it's like I think, you come back to this place of, of, of center and, and oneness, um, There's this idea of why would you ever want to leave? <laughs> why would you ever go back out? And if you sit in that for long enough, then you kind of come to the realization, it's like, well, why did I come out to begin with? <laughs> you know what I mean? If this is all one, if we're all one, and this is the true state nature of things, is this nirvana and peace and bliss of sorts, right? And what, what, why did we start this? Why would anything come back? And it's got to be because there's some innate value in this. And the process of being a bodhisattva is the way, I, I think it was the way it's described in Eastern religions. It's Buddhism. It's, 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 a, it's a process of something be, somebody becoming a Buddha and then going choosing to go back into the, the real world, 3D, right? You awaken and then you go back in. You go back into your ego. You put your mask back on. And the, the point being in the why is like, well, kind of answered in 
the question I just asked you. It's, why not? And I believe there's a certain type of peace and joy that you find in the truth of existence that you don't have to worry about going back in because you're always going to come back. You can't leave yourself. You can't lose yourself. You know, you you lost yourself once and you're probably going to do it again and again and again and again, but you're always going to come back. You can't truly ever lose yourself. You're not truly alone. Ever. Right? It's a joke. It's funny. Life's meant to be enjoyed. (laughs) And laughed at. So there's a way in which the suffering has to be overcome. And then that brings me to the idea of forgiveness. How does it how does that relate to forgiveness? Well, I, I, I have a, I think that the times in our lives where we've experienced the most pain are the times in our lives that tend to cause us the most suffering. And the times in our lives that cause us the most suffering tend to be the areas where we have the hardest time finding forgiveness. And I believe this relates to our need and desire to protect ourselves. It's a fear of vulnerability. It's a fear of being alone uh, that causes us to feel like we need to protect ourselves uh, from the possibility of being hurt like that again. And there's a way in which when you go, when you start to play with the idea of forgiveness in the context of, you know, whatever pain you're experiencing, it's a scary thing. Because this, this fear of, am I being naive? If I, am I, it's, it's, it's not just as simply put as I am being naive. It's a very complicated feeling. But it's something like, am I being naive? Am I overlooking something? Is something going to happen bad to me? But it's a very primal thing. It's like this, this built-in alarm system starts to go off. Whoa, shit. If I forgive the wrong person and they do this to me again, I can't. You know, I, I experienced the pain not knowing. It's the shame on me, fool me once concept, right? There's this way in which we fear being hurt in the same way again because if we get hurt in the same way again, there's a way in which we've, it's, we have a ten, tendency to blame ourselves. Well, if I didn't know the first time, it was their fault. But if I knew, this time, it was, and it was mine. And it's weird, because it, that is a very um, zero-sum game. You know, we set it up, we set up the whole equation improperly. Winning or losing who's right and who's wrong, good or bad, right? Human concepts that don't operate, they're not fundamentally true or real. (laughs) They're just ideas that don't really align with the fundamental vibration of the universe. Forgiveness is a fundamental concept that is, is, is built into the structure of this. It won't go away. You're not, you can't delete the idea of forgiving somebody. It's not going to go away.
finding your it's a tricky road because it requires navigating what I was just talking about your fears it requires releasing it's very 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 much like the death energy and isn't that odd to forgive somebody feels like dying sometimes not the process of actually, not after the fact. You know, there's a release that happens there, which is the release card, right? But there's in the process, when you're trying to let go of something, it is one of the most painful things you can ever experience. And that is what the feeling of forgiving or trying to forgive somebody or something or some, you know, situation feels like. We, we, we get caught in this space where we think that if we forgive somebody, it means it's very, I don't know why, but it seems like every time we, I think about the idea of forgiveness, I automatically, my brain snaps into this automatic thinking of I'm forgiving them so that they feel better. I don't know if it's true for you too, but I feel like we all do this automatically. It's like we think about forgiveness and it's not intentional. I think we all know deeper that the idea of of forgiveness is meant to like kind of relieve you, you know, as the person forgiving of the stress of carrying the burden, right? But in, in the context of trying to forgive somebody, we think about it the opposite way. We're doing this for them so that they don't have to carry the burden. Why do we do that? You know, we project. When do people project? When they're afraid, you know? God, but why would we be afraid of letting go of like a burden, something that's holding us down? Why would we want to hold on to something that's making us feel heavy? Well, I think this is where it gets kind of complicated. A little more complicated. It just goes deeper. It's... I think it's where it kind of starts to take you down the rabbit hole into your childhood and where you don't feel adequate or where you haven't forgiven yourself. You know, if you haven't found a way to forgive yourself for something, how in the world could you ever expect to find forgiveness for someone else? So you may find yourself in your life struggling with forgiving somebody or maybe you've had a really bad falling out with somebody that happened years ago that you've, you've felt bitter about for years and you still haven't been able to come to a, a space where you can really forgive them or let go. But you can feel the way it weighs on you, the way they creep into your mind every once in a while. Maybe it's not every once in a while, maybe it's often, especially if it's recent. The way the negativity kind of swirls around you and pulls you down any time them or the concept of them comes up, right? This, this, this way in which any positive memory you've had is muddied or muddled by the weight you feel that you have to carry. So there's a way in which we recognize, God, I don't want to feel like that. I don't want to like, I don't want to constantly, and you feel caught in these moments. Like, how do I stop thinking about this situation, this person, or this place, especially if it's fresh, right? You come to the idea of forgiveness, and sometimes we sometimes we dance around a long time and don't don't realize we even have to forgive somebody. Sometimes we trick ourselves into thinking, "Oh, I've already forgiven them." Like I was saying, by saying a word, "I forgive you," you know, in a moment, <laughs> wanting to be done with it real quick, 
especially if it was, if it was something that was really intense or long living. I forgive you, and now I'm good. You know, <laughs> in this modern day, we just want a quick, quick fix. <laughs> no, it's like something you have to feel, right? It has to be, it has to be true. Just because you say something doesn't mean it's true. That's why people, people lie, <laughs> right? You have to be aligned with what you're saying. And in order to get you to align with it, you have to feel the feeling of forgiveness, which is a feeling of release and death. And if you're scared of it, how in the world can you ever welcome, welcome that in, right? I forgive you. That's not, that's not release. Release is deep emotion. oftentimes oddly enough when you really forgive somebody what you'll find or something or someplace what you'll find is that the waves of positive emotions that have been repressed for however long it's been since you carried this burden come back the things that you felt for them that were positive come back you no longer have to hide behind this conception of them being a bad thing you know, longer, for instance, if it's not a person, if it's the, the world, a lot of times it can be the world. People can be so mistreated by the world that they just think the world's a bad place, you know? So you have to, act, sometimes it can get that big where you actually have to get yourself to forgive the world. You know, that's what a lot of us existentially struggle with in the modern day, I think, is forgiving the world for the state of it. None of us created this, did we? <laughs> Yet it's our responsibility, just like every other human being that's come before us. There's an unfairness built into the world. Not only is the world not fair, it is fundamentally unfair. It was never designed to be fair. And fairness is something that's hard to struggle struggle with when you're trying to forgive somebody too, right? Maybe you've we're, we're treated unfairly or maybe you experienced a situation that's just fundamentally unfair the recognition of that doesn't you know there's no way you can toss it around in your head look at it from a different way and be like oh yeah that makes it feel better you know if it was unfair once it's going to always feel unfair right there's a way in which we have to learn to release the feeling of burden and unfairness I think that unfairness stems from a deep feeling of lacking internally, each of us have, not feeling like we're enough, not feeling seen or heard. This isn't fair. What's not fair? This, whatever I'm experiencing, this, 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 you know. Did you, did you think it was supposed to be? Because there's a whole bunch of things that you're doing that aren't, fair to other people or if you looked maybe in the context of the global scale this is why we have this like like species wide conscious conscience that's going crazy right now from from mother gaia and the world for destroying it it's like well there's a lot of unfairness that you bring you know if you want to hear about unfairness look from a higher perspective and look at you and everything you've done you're very unfair (laughs) you know what i mean there's a whole lot of things that you've treated unfairly. Think about all those thousands of bugs you've squashed just because they annoy you. Man, that's fair, right? Think about all the thousands of animals that have died so that you could eat something conveniently. That's fair.
Think about all the time you've wasted doing something that you didn't want to do. While you, the true you, your inner child, sat there watching, crying inside of you, begging you to wake the fuck up. That's fair. You know, there isn't anything that's fair about this world. But there's beauty in it. I think maybe some of the consolation you can take. Um, you know, when we we're presented with the concept of forgiving and releasing, is that there is beauty in it. It may not be fair, but it's beautiful. And what do I mean by that? Well, it's similar in the way uh, that I've, I mean, I guess I've demonstrated in the last four episodes pretty well that there's some darker, morbid beauty in this world that people don't often recognize. That death is incredibly beautiful. The energy of it. That's why it's depicted so beautifully on the tarot card that I was talking about. It's been misconceived and demonized, villainized throughout history as if you know, this doorway is somehow um, evil or bad because we're afraid of it because it's unknown, you know? That's unfair. <laughs> if you were to view it from the, like, Azrael's position, right? We're very unfair beings, period. It's why the world's unfair. Don't trick yourself into thinking you aren't. And if you can accept that, it'll help you allow yourself to actually forgive somebody else. Because if you sit for long enough, you'll recognize that all the things you're bitter about, you are guilty of. Every single one. Take one idea you're bitter of. Is there anything you're bitter of right now? Anything. Just pick something. If you're not, pick something that you got frustrated about recently. Sorry, my phone has a little like, <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like a toot noise. <laughs> so it goes off uh, here. It's 434 four, three, for anybody that's listening. So check that angel number out. Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought there a little bit. There's a beauty that we recognize that you'll feel as you get past these, you know, points of, of where you haven't gotten past, you know, the like points of no return in your life. Um, they're represented maybe, maybe by the things that you're bitter at. That's a weird way to think about it. You know, what are you angry at? That's what I, that's where I was going. I picked it back up. I'm sorry. Think something that you're bitter at, something that you're angry at, right? Frustrated with. And then just ask yourself the simple question, have I done, you know, try to place yourself in the person that you're frustrated with's shoes or the situation's shoes, you know? Have you been on the other side of that equation at some point in your life? And some of you may say yes, and some of you, of you may say no. The point isn't actually to answer that question. I don't think it's to answer the next one. Could you be? I 
And it's a trickier one, and it's weird because it's like, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could. You know, yes, I could be guilty of the same thing that I'm angry at. Or, more often than not, if you're often, if you're honest with yourself, truly honest with yourself, you are or have been guilty of the same thing. We're all human beings; we feel the same emotions. We learn those emotions and the negative consequences of those through trial and error, action and consequence. So it's very unlikely that you've gotten through this world and learned some of the lessons about how to act or how to be in whatever way you think you should without making some mistakes along the way. Those mistakes are your limitations. Those mistakes are the things that you probably, unless you have healed from them and released them, you feel shame for. You forgive yourself for those things. You forgive other people for those things. You no longer feel like the burden you're carrying around, uh, you're carrying around for somebody else, you realize, oh my God, <laughs> I'm just seeing everything that I'm frustrated at myself for in somebody else. It doesn't matter what they did to you. You know, I believe that we have a lot to heal from each of us individually. You know, I, I believe in multiple lives. I mean, in many multiple lives. I believe you do this over and over again. I believe you do it here. You do it in other places, different types of existence, different realms. I believe a, uh, there's a lot more to this than we see. And so you are here for a multitude of reasons you can't discern right now. And you aren't ever going to probably discern in this form. But one of them is to kind of heal or continue the lessons that you've learned from the past and previous lives you've lived. So that if you were, you know, maybe following up that last thought that I had with the idea of, well, how does... The world's so unfair. You know, how, how how do you explain, you know, the horrible things that people human beings experience when there's no discernible kind of balance to it. They didn't do anything to deserve that, you know, in the moment. You can look at a lot of, uh, you know, people that have been troubled in their lives. And if you look back in their in their early childhood, you can have a lot of compassion because you'll see that almost every single time people that grow up and do horrible things have come from very, very abusive, negative situations in their life where they had objectively no control over those situations when they were children or young adults, you know. So it begs the question of how did they deserve that? And then with what they became and what they did, you know, how did the people that they affected deserve that? There's this continuation of the cycle. The only way that cycle stops is for people, each individual person, to recognize that you carry more baggage than you want to admit from other places and other times. The world looks unfair because you don't remember what the hell you did before you came here. Inside of each of us is the capacity for immense, what we would call evil, or darkness. In the same way that there's immense capacity for light or greatness. You know, it's the light or the dark side of the force. It's your choice. I think for a long time, 
as a species, we've gotten obsessed with the idea that we need to be one side or the other, black or white, yin-yang. But I think um, the idea that the modern human is coming to as we all wake up collectively is that we need to come to this place of balance in the middle of integration um, yin yang right? not just the black and the white but the totality of the symbol the balance uh, we need to incorporate the parts of ourselves that we're scared of and that we're scared of other people because there's power in that there's power in the parts of you that you deem unfixable or the parts of you you don't want to look at just like there's power in the light side in all the parts of you that you deem good Darth Vader saved the day he spent more than half of his time on the dark side and saved the day being fully and completely enthralled in the darkness what does that mean? well I think it means that everything's a tool. Nothing is inherently good or bad. So that what we call good can come out of the darkness. And vice versa. How does something that was the chosen one, Anakin, become something that is the dark one? (laughs) You know? They're intrinsically tied, the light and the dark. And so the point is is to have a balance of these, an equilibrium inside of each of us. When I speak of morality in a harsh way, as I did in the last episode, the reason I do so, and when I'm so harsh about the way that you know Christianity and Catholicism has kind of controlled people, the reason I do that is because it's really messed us up. It's messed our heads up. It's it's led us to believe that we need to run away from a part of ourselves that uh, is actually the key to us integrating fully and becoming a more peaceful and serendipitous kind of thing. It, it's it, it's frustrating, right? So, you know, I do, I apologize for the last episode because there's a couple parts and even in retrospect when I listened to it where I was like, man, Chris, you got really worked up there in the way he somebody was cussing a little bit and stuff like that. And I didn't, you know, it hit me where I was like, yeah, you know, I don't like that. But that was the point. I hope you understand some of this is to, to relay the feeling that the concept has attached to it. Right. When we learn to forgive other people, we learn to recognize um, kind of the God in the other person. Uh, It only reinforces more fully the God inside of ourselves. It only allows us to love ourselves more fully. Um, It is that saying that revenge revenge is like drinking poison waiting for the other person to die. You know, failing to forgive somebody is similar to taking a slow revenge on them. You know, we are psychic beings. You know this uh, in a weird way. In, just by the way that you logically go about doing things. Or emotionally, not logically, emotionally go about doing things. Specifically with forgiveness. It's like, it's like we know that if we forgive somebody, you know, we're going to... 
it, we, we, we tell ourselves in our heads that if we forgive somebody, they're going to feel it. Or like if we give, forgive somebody, we're going to give our power away. And it's like, well, if you ask yourself, like, you know, I can't, I can't give them the power of knowing that they, you know, they could, they could get one up on me again or something like that. And it's like, well, how do you know they're going to have the power? You know, how are they going to know that? How are they going to feel that? It's, what I'm trying to get to is that you know that when you forgive somebody, they feel it. Whether you say it or not, you, in, you intuitively, emotionally know this. So that, um, the only way that we get to a place where, uh, We're seeing each other fully is for us to be able to have the kind of conversations, the kind of, you know, deep thought that produces forgiveness, a certain type of total forgiveness that brings us closer together and reminds us who we are, liberates us, revitalizes us. So with that, guys, uh, it's 444 right now. So I'm going to end this podcast uh, with that. I hope you enjoyed it, this talk on forgiveness. A little bit of a shorter one there today. But um, I'll try to be back on here in the next day or so. Um, Whenever I get an idea or whenever something hits me, I usually like to sit down and get on. So uh, thank you very much again for your support, for listening. Um, Please like, share, subscribe on whatever social media platform uh, you have. I'm trying to grow this podcast and get get it back, uh, my feet back under it or its feet back under it. So uh, if you have anybody that you think would enjoy the podcast or would benefit from some of the messages, please share it with them. Um, the, the more people that listen to it, um, the better. I'd really like to create a community with this. And so uh, the community that's been created thus far, I hope, um, I hope you all uh, want to join me in, in growing this thing. Uh, that being said, <laughs> um, I really do appreciate your listenership. I want to send you a whole lot of love. Ask you to think about who you could forgive, maybe. Until next time. Bye-bye.